message tonight. So if you'd like to turn to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, and tonight we'll be looking at verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we'll open in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for being able to be here tonight. We um, thank you that we can live in a country where we can meet like and um, share in fellowship and ha- sing songs and open your word, Lord, without fear of persecution. Lord, I pray that you would just be with me tonight, that you would just um, help calm my nerves and that you would just uh, uh, speak through me, Lord, and that you would just give me the right words to say. I pray that you just give me the wisdom and understanding I need and that you would forgive me if I do say anything that's wrong and um, that you would just allow those things to be forgotten, that only your perfect truth would remain, Lord. I pray that you would just um, help us to understand um, what is said, Lord, and help us to apply it to our lives as well. And in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Throughout the world, there are many different views of what it means to serve God. Even within Christianity, there are many different um, ideas as what it means to serve God. Some people think that when it comes to serving God, all it is is to do outward action. They emphasize the outward responses. This is something that the Jews struggled with. The the Jews in the Old Testament sometimes and into the New Testament, the Jews struggled with only the outward appearance of serving God. They did the sacrifice that they were commanded to do. They followed the law because they were commanded to do it. But it was all on the outward appearance. There was no real heart attitude towards doing these things. They did simply because that's what was tradition or that was what was expected but not what they actually to do. And perhaps that's why we find that, that the Jews so often struggled with serving God properly. The heart wasn't in it. And perhaps that's why nowadays we find that so many struggle to serve God fully because their heart just isn't in it. They do it simply because it's what they've always done. They're just going through the motions. And we need to remember this as we come and we we need to remember that we need to serve God with our whole hearts. And when we get to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, we find that it reveals to us the true and proper meaning of serving God. And in essence, it gives us two necessities for proper Christian service. Two necessities for proper Christian service. And firstly, we find that the first necessity for proper Christian service is a, willing, a willingness to sacrifice. A willingness to sacrifice. Look with me in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Here we are told to present bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is our reasonable service. The word present to stand beside or to exhibit or recommend. 
And what it means is, in essence, when the Lord calls for people to serve him, we need to be ready to say, Here my Lord, send me. We need to have the willingness to sacrifice what we are doing to serve the Lord. We need to be prepared to give up certain luxuries. We need to be prepared to sometimes even give up family and friends to serve God. And as we look through verse 1, we find that it seems to be likened unto the sacrifices of the Old Testament. As we get descriptions as to what it means to willingly sacrifice. And we find that the first description of this sacrifice is that it is to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now the word sacrifice here means to relinquish, relinquish all claim to it means that we must be willing to submit ourselves to God and his will. We need to relinquish our lives sometimes, relinquish luxuries, sometimes relinquish our friendships, all God's will. And when it comes to these sacrifices, there are generally two we can categorize sacrifices into two types of sacrifices, living and dead sacrifices. Living sacrifices were put aside for the service of God in the temple. Often these were people or um, bits of food for the priest to have. Dead sacrifices were slain and offered to God on the altar. So here when we are told to be living sacrifices, we are told in essence that we put, aso put aside ourselves or put ourselves aside for God's service. Now oftentimes this can sometimes lead to giving our lives for God. But in essence, what it is, is just to dedicate ourselves to God's service. To put aside the world and to instead serve God's will. This, this living sacrifice can be described by the next couple of things. Firstly, we find that this living sacrifice is to be holy, as were the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The word holy means to be sacred, pure or blameless and as in the Old Testament sacrifices were expected to be of the highest quality they weren't meant to have blemishes they weren't meant to be old but young if it was fruit it wasn't meant to be rotting but it was meant to be fresh fruit it was expected that the best was given to God not the worst not the scraps and so when we are told here that our living sacrifice must be holy, we are expected to give our best to God. We're expected to make sure that we are living righteously so that we don't have blemishes and spots. We need to make sure that we give him all our strength. If we are young, then we need to give the strength of our youth. We need to make sure that as living sacrifices, we live our lives pleasing to God. We need to cast out sin and make sure that we are holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, we are to be holy because God is holy. He commands us to be holy because he himself is holy. And we need to give him our best, not just inwardly, but outwardly. When it comes to our time or our resources or our hearts, our minds and our strength, 
we ought to give our best to God. We, we shouldn't think that I'll, I'll give my best of the day or I'll give what's left at the end of the day or I'll go and do what I want to do and if I have any time left, I'll give that to God. Or I will spend all my money on things that I want to get and whatever I have left, that I'll give to God. That's not how we're meant to go about sacrificing to God. We ought to give him everything first. We aren't to fact, if I give him everything, then I won't have himself. And we so easily forget that God does provide for us in all our needs. We don't need to worry about using everything up and only giving God the leftovers. We need to make sure that we don't give him the leftovers of our time, our resources or our life. We need to make sure that our life isn't full of sin because we need to be holy sacrifices. And this leads to the second description of living sacrifices that is acceptable to God. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. The word acceptable here means to be agreeable or well-pleasing. Our sacrifices ought to be well-pleasing to God. Present to God, he shouldn't look at them with disgust. He shouldn't see our sacrifice as half-hearted. We all know the story of Cain and Abel. And we see how Cain failed to give him the proper or acceptable sacrifice. And likewise, if we fail to be holy, if we fail to be acceptable to God, as, as an acceptable sacrifice to God, then God may very well reject us as he did Cain. We may be willing to sacrifice ourselves to God. We may come before him when he calls, who will I send? And when he says, who will I send? We may come forward and say, here am I, Lord. Send me. And then he looks at us, looks at us and he sends someone else because we are not acceptable. We, have not presented, we may have presented ourselves, but we are not living holy. We have blemishes and spots that have not been dealt with. And so we need to make sure that we are acceptable. If we really do desire to sacrifice, for God, our, sacrifice ourselves to God, then we need to make sure that when we sacrifice, we are acceptable. We need to make sure that our sacrifices are to him. And this is our reasonable service. This is not forced, not going through the motions, not doing it because it's expected. Rather, it's because we want it. We are freely and we presenting ourselves for sacrifice to God. The word service here means worship. And the truest and purest form of worshipping God is dedicating ourselves to him. Now, oftentimes we think that worshipping God is simply singing songs to, to him. But in, in truth, worshipping God involves every part of our lives. Every time we stand up for God, we make the right choice, regardless of the cost to us, we are worshipping God. Every time we put away the things of the world, 
we are worshipping God. The Jews sacrificed because of the law. We had to sacrifice because we desire to sacrifice. Our hearts, our souls, our minds should love the Lord completely, as Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 tells us. So we are to love the Lord so much that it isn't a burden to us to sacrifice, but something that we are compelled to do out of love. So we need a willingness to sacrifice if we are to properly serve God. And secondly, we need a transformed life. A transformed life. We are not to be like the world. Look with me in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to be transformed. We shouldn't be like the world. The word conformed here means to fashion after a pattern. And out of love for God, we ought to reject the set, reject the set pattern of the world and instead begin to shape ourselves after the pattern that is set by God. You know, the world wants us to serve as the world serves. You know, the world is very, has a very different opinion, as I said. Of times it only looks at what is outwardly and forgets the inward part. We did read Matthew chapter one and uh, Matthew chapter six verses one to eight this morning, but we'll t- turn there anyway because it does give us a good description of how the world sees it serving God. Matthew chapter six, starting in verse one. Take heed that ye do not your arms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine arms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Here we are given this description of how the world seeks to serve. In essence, what they're doing is not serving God, but serving themselves. Their heart isn't in it. They're merely going through the motions. And what it shows is a lack of a transformed life. And the start for a transformed life is the change made inwardly. Old habits tend to stick around after we are saved. Things that 
we can't seem to break as they linger on. But there's generally always an, almost an instantaneous change within a person's mind, within a person's inward parts. Sometimes this is a subtle thing. Other times, it's easy to see. But there is a change. The Spirit has indwelt them and has begun to affect a new nature, a new creature. Renovating the mind. That's what the word renew here means, to renovate. It's taken up residence of its new house. The walls have had termites through them. The paint is tacky. So it begins to break down the walls and build them anew. Strengthening the house. Making it more presentable, more usable. Our mind is a precious thing. Our mind or our understanding. And as the Holy Spirit works within it, it removing the old sinful ways of our thinking, our ways of how we do things, it replaces it with the mind of Christ. And as we begin to think differently, we begin to act differently. We'll be able to prove God's will. We'll, we'll be able to see what God wants us to do. See, the unsaved, they have no concept of what God wants them to do. When the unsaved read God's word, it is gibberish to them. Simply words, page. There is no depth to it. But when we are indwelt with, with the Spirit, we begin to understand the words that God has given us. We can begin to prove and test them. That's what the word, here, that's what the word prove means here, to test or discern. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word proof here is often used in conjunction with the trying of metals with fire. By putting the fire by putting the metal into the fire, you get rid of all of the the dross. You get rid of all of the useless bits and pieces that are attached to it. You make it more pure, more usable. By heating it up, it can then be moulded to something useful. And as our minds are changed, we will begin to better understand God's word. God's word is what we can use to understand his will. He tells us what he expects of us. In many situations, he tells us what we should do. And the more we look into it, the more we prove and try it, the more useful it is to us. The more the Spirit gives us understanding of it. That's why it's so important for us to do our daily devotions. That's why it's so important that when we have messages, that we have messages out of God's Word and not some commentary or men's words. And as we begin to try God's word, as we begin to prove it, we begin to follow his will. And notice with me that God's will is seen in, or given 
three descriptions here. We're told that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect. The word good means beneficial. And when we're abiding in God's will, we need not to worry whether or not it is beneficial to follow it. Turn with me to James in chapter 1. Verse 7. For let not them think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. 17, sorry, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God's will is often is, is not harmful to us but it's beneficial to us. Not to worry about whether or not it'll lead us into the wrong place because when we are being led by God's will, no place is wrong. The word acceptable here means agreeable or well-pleasing. It means that we don't need to worry if we, worry if we can go or cannot go where God leads. We don't need to worry about whether we will be able to make it. We shouldn't need to worry about whether or not we will be able to meet the requirements of the place he has sent us. Because God provides all our needs. He's always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He gives us the strength we need, the wisdom we need, so we don't need to worry about whether the place that God's leading is going to be a danger to us. We never need to worry about whether we will be strong enough because we don't need to rely on our own strength, but in God's. Thirdly, we see that God's will is perfect. And the word perfect here means to be complete. In other words, we don't need to be afraid that we will start the task that God has set to us and then receive a message from him telling us to stop because he hasn't figured out the last few steps. God is omniscient. He knows everything that's going to happen and he has figured out the path that we need to take. His will is complete. He doesn't need to stop and take breaks while he figures out the next couple of steps. He's already figured out the entire path. Turn with Isaiah in chapter 46. Looking at verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. God knows what's going to happen in the future. We don't need to worry about whether God is going to be surprised about something. Nothing surprises God. Regardless of how dark or desperate our situation may seem, God's hand is always there. God hasn't left us. He hasn't forsaken us. And when we are in his will, 
We can trust in him. We need to remember these things as we begin to serve God. These two necessities for proper Christian service. We need to be willing to sacrifice. We need to be willing to present ourselves and to organise our lives so that we are acceptable as a sacrifice to God. And we need a transformed life. We need to make sure that we are moving closer to God's will. We need to make sure that we are drawing nigh to God so that he can draw nigh to us. Let us remember these things as we go out into the world and as we seek to serve God this year. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your um, holy word, Lord. We um, thank you for the wisdom contained within it. Lord, I thank you for just helping me tonight and I pray that I have been clear in what I have said, Lord, and I pray that you would just um, help us all to understand and to apply these things to our lives. I pray that you would just help us to be willing to sacrifice ourselves for you and be willing to serve you, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to um, remove sin in our lives, that we will be acceptable in, and that we would begin to understand your will as well, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen.